Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In 1987, four childhood friends were reunited after 10 years to investigate the murder of a mentor they all shared. During this time, they unlocked the deep secrets of the past and found themselves exposed to the darkness that surrounded them. Soon it became more than a fight for justice. And instead, it became a fight against the ultimate evil. Six months later, in the winter of 1988, bonded by their knowledge of the dark unknown, they have decided to no longer be the victim. Now they seek out the deep roots of satanic corruption that hides in the shadows of society, all the while trying to mentor a new companion, seeking justice for the death of his cousin. Institutionalized is the second story arc in the Chronicles of Darkness first edition story, The Ultimate Evil, set in Bismarck, North Dakota in 1988. Join us in this tale of satanic horror with Wayne, played by Adam, Che, played by Andrew, Alex, played by Mitch, Michael, played by Slavic, and the newcomer Derek, played by Tillman. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM, and on Facebook and Discord at Twin Cities by Night. If you'd like to help support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. All right, Wayne, you and Alex step out of Hughes Junior High and you start walking down the steps. When you start making your way down the steps, you feel the wind briskly shoot across the schoolyard, and it seems to pierce your jacket and your hair. You feel your ears already starting to turn red from the brisk cold. It's about 4 o'clock right now, 4.30, and you can tell that soon the sun will be coming down because at this time of the year in North Dakota, usually people will wake up when it's dark to go to work, and usually they will come home from school or work, and it's starting to turn dark already. The sky is gray clouds are starting to come over what earlier was the bright sun that would reflect off the snow and off the icicles that had embedded themselves on buildings and cars but now it seems to be colder even though maybe that sun and the heat that you thought you felt from earlier was just a facade at this moment you realize that soon kids will be walking home and soon your day will probably be wrapping up alex looks at you and says He's going to walk home from here because he only lives about a half a mile from here. That if you want to go back to the office and talk to Mike and let him know what you found out, feel free to. And that he'll come into the office tomorrow morning. And he just kind of like pats you on the shoulder and turns around and walks off. What's going on in your head right now after you had, found, after you had the talk with the guidance counselor, Michael McNulty, about Toby and about his interactions with Toby at the Dakota Adventist Academy? Wayne is kind of horrified right now. He feels he, he feels really bad for this guidance counselor, just being in that position, having all that kind of unloaded onto him. And now he's just faced with the guilt of, of um, in the uncertainty of, of uh, where Toby is. But also he's really upset with the idea of Toby finding like images of children being hurt and stuff like that. That, that whole thing idea is very kind of alarming to him and he feels like uh almost like he's uh like his legs are shaking a little bit 
when he when he thinks about that whole aspect of of this situation now like the child child abuse kind of thing it's like he's really uncomfortable and he he i think he wants to just go to like a payphone maybe before even driving back it's like he he is in such a big hurry to just like tell them what he knows at this point a couple questions before we have the scene with the payphone does he believe like does he feel like how uh mr mcnulty felt when Toby told him, do you, does like Wayne feel that it's true that he saw those pictures or is his gut telling him that this really happened, that it just wasn't like a teen trying to get attention or, you know, a misunderstanding? Like, do you believe it? Wayne just believes it in his gut. He thinks it's something that's too ugly for a kid to lie about. Like, he doesn't think he would have lied about something like that. He wouldn't, he wouldn't have joked around with, with saying something like that. So to him, he's just kind of taking it pretty seriously. It hasn't really crossed his mind that it's for attention or, or anything, actually. So does this intersect at all with what happened with you, you know, like in, in remembrance? Does that like bring up feelings about what you found out about Calvin Welkstetter and that cellar and like what was going on in there? Or I mean, because you know that Calvin was at one, one of the founding, I guess, backers and, and mem- uh, of this dakota adventist academy so so are those intersecting at all those feelings wayne's trying to not give credence to those thoughts he's hoping this is all just a coincidence or something but that is kind of playing in the back of his mind like he's trying to compartmentalize it right now yeah like right now he feels very shaken up so it's a little bit too much for him to actually consider that this is not a coincidence like those two things so did you if someone was to walk by wayne right now and see wayne like like walking towards his car what would wayne look like right now would he look disheveled would he look panicked would his eyes look like he's darting all over the place or he would look very distressed he would his hair would kind of probably be messed up like the ponytail has like a lot of strands that are kind of just coming down and and blowing all over the place and he is probably just looking like a little bit frantic. And I would say, yeah, he probably does feel kind of paranoid, like looking around to see if anybody else notices him. But he he would probably look like just a very upset man, you know? So you get in your car and you're, you're has, you have the sole intent right now of trying to find a payphone. And you kind of like peel out of this junior high parking lot and you make a right onto the road that's in front of it. And you're back real rear tires kind of catch slush that leads you to fishtail a little bit but eventually your tires get traction onto the salt and the the gravel that is put down on the road during the winter and you eventually kind of peel out and you're going and you're you're frantically looking and you're kind of scanning ahead of you and you just see houses 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 and eventually you see what looks like to be a quick convenience store it looks like it's uh, like a just a shell station gas station and you kind of like just you know take your car in there and you kind of speed and you kind of hit the like the the little bump entrance ramp a little bit you kind of feel yourself jolt and then you kind of pull in front of this payphone that's across from the gas station there's like the gas station gas pumps and then they're like next to the road there's a there's a payphone in there and you get out of the payphone go ahead scenes on you so i i get out and i i go over to the payphone and i'm like standing next to it i put my coins in and i start to punch in the number for the Dakota investigative agency for our for our office and I'm lighting up a cigarette and I'm kind of just like trying to find a way to lean but I'm also just 
looking around at uh, people, just passersby pumping their gas and stuff because I don't want them to hear what I'm talking about either. Yeah, go ahead and let's have you do a roll since you're being all a little extra paranoid and everything. Let me have you roll. Uh, what was my favorite roll that I used to have in here all the time? Uh, <laughs> I forgot what it was. Um, it's in composure. Wits and composure. Wits please. and composure. Okay, what did you get? Okay, um, all right. So I'm thinking this uh, Slavic mentioned this should probably be a stealth roll, actually. Are you? Are you trying? Oh, I thought you were trying to see if anyone was watching you. Okay, all right. I was oh. trying to like be quiet. I don't. Oh, I mean, okay, yeah. If you're trying, to I'm be trying quiet. to. I'm trying to just be like a unnoticeable. Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I don't want anybody to like say like, "What's this crazy guy doing over here on the phone?" Yeah, but me, I, yeah. like very worked up, you know. Okay, let me go. Go ahead and give me. Uh, let's do wits and stealth. How about that? Two successes. So you get out of your car, and there's a moment where you kind of collect yourself as soon as the door slams. Like, okay, I gotta calm down. I gotta collect myself right now. And you rightfully realize that you have to let Michael know what you found out. But you slowly look around, and you take a deep breath, and you walk in to the phone booth, and you close that rickety door behind you here like lock in and you kind of feel the wind is cut off and you can actually hear the wind from outside but you feel like okay i'm a little quiet in here you know i can be collect myself and you pick up the phone you put in a quarter from your pocket after you reached in there and found it and you dial the number to the dakota investigative services soon you hear the warm buzz of the ringer going michael and derek you guys are in the process of finishing up Derek's W-4 paperwork when you hear the phone on your desk ring, Michael. Go ahead, scenes on you guys. Michael Gray speaking. Mike, it's Wayne. Look, I, I got to talk to you. Me and Alex, we just, uh, we just checked out that school where uh, Toby's guidance counselor worked. He told me something, and it really is kind of bothering me, man. Uh, that kid, Toby, he, he found some kind of inappropriate pictures. Okay, so kids found some porn? What? No, like, like pictures of kids. Oh, what the fuck? Do you know where they're from? I, he told this guidance counselor guy, this uh, McNulty guy, that he really trusts, you know, trusts as an adult. And when this guy tried to, to tell the head of the school about it, they kind of just told him to be quiet. Oh, and I'm getting a real bad fuck. feeling about this whole thing now. Yeah, no, this is bad uh did you find out anything else out of character i'm trying to think if there's anything sorry sorry mike i'm a little shaken up right now I'm trying to <laughs> trying to recall uh, it's name. okay it's okay uh might be better if we talk in the office about this anyways uh never know who's listening especially with the people we're dealing with you're right you're right i'll head back there now alex just uh walked home sorry i just wanted to call you and let you know as soon as i could uh all right, I'm going to head back there. Yeah, I'm going to start the coffee. So you hang up the phone and you hear the clicking of the receiver and the plastic as it hits the metal of the payphone. And there's a moment you turn around and you take a deep breath because you know as soon as you slide that door open, you're going to be greeted by that wind again. When you slide it open, you hear the as the gliders go across that they need to be almost oiled with WD-40. And you kind of hear the screeching as you open it up. And you step into the cold again and you go right into your car and you start your car up. You get out of the parking lot of the gas station and you get onto the road and you start driving east on Divide Road. 
knowing that eventually you're going to get to either North Washington or State Street and you're going to head south towards Main Street. At first, you're processing it while that blue oyster cult tape is playing, but you really don't pay attention too much, but you're processing everything. And you're starting to see that there's more cars that are on the road now, seeing that people are probably coming home from work, seeing that it's like 4.30 or 5. I need you to give me a wits and composure roll, please. And I need, I want it to be, okay, wits and composure composure roll. How do you set the difficulty of wanting like two successes at least? I'll, I'll say difficulty two. You got to roll the normal difficulty, but two, at least two successes. Okay, I got a four. You got four successes? Holy cow. That's really good. <laughs> so you're driving along and there's a moment where you kind of like eventually find your fingers tapping along to burning to you from the blue oyster cult on your steering wheel. And you're like, okay, I'm going to go get some coffee, you know, cause coffee will calm me down. I'm going to go get some coffee. Maybe after I talk to Michael, I can have a couple beers, you know, if he doesn't have anything left to do, maybe you can get Derek to have a beer or something like that. Maybe Che will be there. You know, you just kind of starting like thinking positive thoughts. Cause you have had this reaffirming recreation of yourself along with the guidance of Raymond Che's grandfather that is kind of like kind of pushing you to this way but then you eventually look, catch in your rearview mirror and you're like, realize, is this a car that I saw that was in the gas station, like at the same time filling up? And you're trying to like look in your rearview mirror past the car that's behind you. So it's like two cars behind you. And you're trying to make out details. And it's kind of a uh, nondescript vehicle. It's darker. It looks like it's kind of like maybe it might be an Oldsmobile or something to that extent. And you're trying to see who's driving it, but you can't really make out who's driving it. But there's a moment where like, okay, they followed me at least from a block from Hughes. They followed me down Divide Road, which is about a mile and a half. And now they're on State Street with me. He's like, you know, it doesn't mean exactly they may be following you, but you're like, okay, this is definitely not normal, you know? And you're kind of realizing that you have, they have been behind you quite a bit, especially in this type of weather that they seem to be maybe trailing you at this point, but you're not quite sure. What are you doing? Okay, so Wayne hops up in his seat a little bit as soon as he notices that, and he starts like immediately talking to himself. He's like, now hold on a minute. Now what's this here? And he's just kind of looking at the car, and he's he's just like, I see you watching me, you son of a bitch. I see you coming after me. And he's just like talking to himself, and he's just like, yeah, you think, you're, you think I don't notice you, huh? You think I don't notice you? And he's just he's just driving along, and he wants to try to – maybe like lure this car somewhere uh maybe see if he can he's right now he's he's toying with the ideas of either luring this car somewhere where he can confront them because he's feeling a little bit crazy right now after that whole situation at the school and he, he's feeling very wound up and he's feeling like he could really just let loose some of this anger in this way and he's trying to like lure this person now but he's also thinking maybe if he like loses them and tries to follow them back to wherever they are. And he's like, no, I'll hunt you, you bastard. You think you can think you can follow me? I'll follow you, you son of a bitch. And he's just like talking to himself in the car the whole time. And he's just, you know, heavy chain smoking. So just to clarify, you want to kind of switch the roles on him. You want to kind of like show him like, hey, not only am I going to lose you, I'm going to then start fucking following you, you asshole, and find out where you're at. I think what he's going to settle with is trying to lure the car into a private location and maybe try to lock him up, like, like you know, try to, like, get him somewhere where he won't be able to, to back out easy and 
try to maneuver him to just like confront him and not necessarily like pull him out of the car and confront him, but get a good look at him and just figure out who this son of a bitch is. And he's going to try to write down the license plate number if he can, just like finicking with a, like a notepad he's trying to shuffle around for underneath like the seat or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. Would I have a, like any kind of weapon or anything like that in my car? Like I would assume I'd probably have like a tire iron or something. <laughs> well, yeah, you at least have a tire iron, but if you want a pistol, I would say you have a pistol. I mean, in my opinion, now I don't want to speak on behalf of your character, but in my opinion, with what you guys saw, you know what I mean? Like I would not fault you for saying I want a piece just in case because of how fucking scary that shit was. And plus what you've been doing, you've been being a private, a private eye, you know, you don't want to be looking at some husband cheating on his wife and have the dude flip out because he sees you taking a picture, not be able to protect yourself. You know what I mean? I would think, and you, you can ask the gang for any kind of whatever for their opinions about what they would think. But I know if I was a private investigator, and I just saw a Satan shed in the middle of nowhere. And I knew that like, I'm doing all this shit. I'm going to own a fucking gun. That's just my opinion right there. So I would not fault you for saying you have one in your car. Okay. So I like to imagine that Wayne has kind of like this little snub nose revolver that's underneath the driver's seat. And he's thinking about it. And it's like, it, it kind of like gives him power to think about it because yeah. he knows that nobody can, can really fuck with him. Because yeah. of this, because he'll just he'll just shoot right back. I did buy a dot of firearms between the last two arcs, that, and that, uh, Che has been teaching me how to shoot. So even Michael, I would say too, because Michael, yeah. you know what I mean, like that was his job, you know, to get qualified on that. So I've been shooting with the boys. I'm kind of feeling a little bit gun crazy. Not that I want to. Not that I want to shoot anybody or anything. I'm just saying, like yeah. he he feels very comfortable. He doesn't feel like scared. He just yeah. feels angry and worked up and like, let's get this son of a bitch. For sure. So this is what we're going to do. So the role that you're going to be rolling is dexterity plus drive plus the vehicle handling of, handling of the type of vehicle that you have. So what was the type of car that you had again? Would you say it was a mid-sized car or full-size car? I really forget, but I feel like it was kind of a beater. Yeah, we said it was a beater. So I'll give you a, a handling of two for that car so your drive plus dex plus vehicle handling of two now i'm going to be driving or i'm going to be driving i'm going to be rolling for the guy who's going to be following you he has a full-size car so his handling is a one so let's go ahead and all right so you got three successes he got two successes now normally be contested drive i'm not going to make us go through his contested drive because here's an idea that i have and i want to shoot it by you or we can make it a Cont- uh, contested drive so you are on state street now heading down south which means you got to pass the capitol building the capitol building like i explained before is a not only is it the capitol building which is tall but it's almost like capitol grounds there's like a library there is a museum where che used to work at and there is like roads that can kind of go through it in huge ground grass grounds there like where people can picnic or read a book or whatever obviously it's winter time now that's not going to happen but my point being is you easily can turn into there and like lose someone by going into a parking lot or going you know what i mean going behind a building or going on a roundabout or going some you know it's like a a kind of a maze an area which you're rather comfortable with you know or you can go closer to where if you want to go to there's a hillside park 
if you made a left on East Boulevard Avenue and went to Hillside Park, which is by St. Mary's Cemetery, you could kind of lose them in the park area because the park area has different, you know, driving paths or the cemetery, you know, kind of has paths like that. But I would personally think that the Capitol grounds would be easier because you could, you know, lose someone in there, especially at this time of day where people are leaving, government workers are leaving there and everything and are kind of like going home. So you can kind of lose your vehicle in there and kind of like twist them up on there if that's what you would like. And you said, just to clarify, do you want to follow him or do you want to stop him at this point? Because I'll give you an option. If you want to stop him at this point and kind of catch him off guard, we'll call it good. If you want to follow him and see where he goes, then you would need a total of five successes. And we did roll contested where he would have a possibility of losing you during this because he rolled two. So you would need two more and he would need three more. So I can just stop him right here. If you would like. Yeah. Let's do this right now. Oh, shit, dude. Which is so funny. I didn't plan for the scene to happen yet. But when you said you were all antsy, I didn't believe it. I know, dude. I was like, oh, fuck, let's do this. Uh, So you pull, you're like, okay. And you pull right into a parking area that is behind. So you make a right because you're driving right now down State Street. And you see on the right, the parking lot for that can either be the parking lot for the back parking lot for the museum or kind of you can park there and take a walkway to the library but you keep driving because that road will keep going so you pass the parking lot on the right and you know at this moment when if you go around the curve there's going to be three splits one that's going to split off the first that splits off to the left that's going to go towards the capitol building where you can will be driving by a bunch of green grounds you know where it's green another in the middle that will kind of like keep going through the capital area you know there's like a roundabout and then you'll go and it'll lead you to neighborhoods that are past there or one to the right that will go and lead to a larger parking lot that's in front of the museum where do you want to confront this guy at this point now the one in the front the first one that goes towards the capitol building you're gonna have more people there because there's gonna be people leaving there who who work in the capitol building the medium one that leads toward the neighborhoods probably not as much people because that's going to be towards lead, leading towards the neighborhood and it has like trees on the side and stuff like that. Or the one on the right, which is a parking lot where you have people getting off who are getting off work from the museum and from the library who are parked there. People going to the museum or library. I'm thinking the neighborhood area. I want to do this in a, as quiet of an area as I possibly can. And this is actually kind of surreal at this point because that road leads to kind of to the area where Amanda Porter and Charlie Dunn used to live you know not exactly but it's definitely north fourth street is that kind of area that's like right outside the capitol grounds there these homes that were built in the 50s and so you're kind of like hyper alert at this moment and you're driving your car and you're like okay i know up here i'm gonna make this bend and turn around and that road's gonna keep going but i'm just gonna fish my car around or how, how do you want to do it you know there's gonna be a moment where you turn and he's not gonna be able to see you and he's gonna have to turn and follow you but they're like the trees are kind of blocking the view what are you gonna do at this point okay so I'm going to pull in and I immediately get this weird rush of adrenaline when I think about Amanda and stuff in this neighborhood. And and that's going to just kind of fuel the intensity of this situation a little bit more. And I'm just going to cut the wheel like as hard as I can, like still going kind of fast. And there's going to be like this huge screech out that's going to happen. And I'm going to try to just just block him off like the side of my car like as close to the front of his car as I possibly can. And I don't, I really don't care about damaging this car at all. I actually am very like good at car mechanic kind of stuff. And I kind of always drive beaters. And when this one breaks down, I'll just end up with another one. And it's, it's really just no thing for him, but he's going to just 
balls to the wall, just going as like as fast as he can to pull this maneuver off, just kind of making a scene, you know, not really going for subtlety at all because he's, he's starting to get like really upset. Like it's almost like road rage a little bit. It's actually a lot like road rage actually, because he's just gotten himself so worked up in this just short span of time to the point where he's yelling in the car as he does this. He just, ah, and he, he cuts the wheel and he just tries to just block this guy off this person. off. So you turn and you're like, oh, you don't, you just cut the wheel across. You feel your back end slide in the slush. And then, you, you know, you're kind of, your car is kind of like a di- diagonal and you see the other car turn around. Now, are you getting out of your car at this point? Are you staying in your car or? I'm getting out of my car hmm. and I'm popping the trunk and I'm walking over to the trunk and I'm just going to grab the tire iron and I'm just going to start walking towards the other car. And I'm not going to like hit the car or anything, but I want to just like look into the car and can I see anybody? Can I see anything? So what happens is you whip it, right? You get out of your car and you just you pop the trunk as you're getting out and you're going to grab your tire iron. As the time you turn around, you see the car like hit its brakes because it's like almost nose to nose to your car. And you see a guy in his car and he looks like he has like a mustache and he's a Caucasian guy and he has dark hair on the side of his head, but he's kind of going bald on top. And it looks like he might have a polo shirt on. There's a moment where you see him surprised where he stops, you know, and he like hits the brakes. And then there's a moment where you and I have an eye connection. You and him have an eye connection. I want you to give me a, give me empathy and a wits and empathy role, please. Just one success. There's a moment where like you're coming around with your iron, you see him shocked for a second, but then you see his eyebrows furrow when he looks at you and you see his grit like hit his eyes at the moment where like, you know, you caught him off guard, but then there's a moment where he sees you with a tire and iron and you realize like, oh shit, this guy is like not intimidated at all. And you see a moment where just like he grabs the side of the shifter that's on the side of his steering wheel and you see him shift it down and you know from his motion that he's shifting in reverse and you see he starts looking behind him and you just see like the car, like he tries to like whip it around the corner going in reverse, like he's going to spin it. What are you going to do at this point? I'm just kind of walking just still like walking after his car. I'm not like, like chasing him, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to show him don't fuck with me. And like, I see you basically. And basically like Wayne is feeling very much like the situation got away from him. He feels like he just had like a public freak out type of thing, but he's like, he's like still walking towards this guy with the, with the tire iron as this car is like backing up further and further away from him. And he's just holding it, just walking, just giving him a stern face. And he's trying to make note of this person and their vehicle and their license plate. And he's just trying to give them a look like, I got you. I don't know who you are, but I got you. And you're able to like, you have in your pocket of your coat, the little notepad that you write stuff in and you like write the license plate number. But you also know at this moment, after you write it down, you know, the guy's cool demeanor and reaction is not normal. You start thinking about, you know, if any other person would have sat there and been like, oh shit, that would have been this weird, awkward moment. Things may have been said, anger may have been said. There may have been some, but this guy is backing off and he's driving off. Like, like he's not even second thinking it. Like there's a moment where he was shocked, but his first reaction was smooth when he backed off, if that makes sense. And you're standing there in the cold and you start seeing people are looking at you weird. And you see that there's more cars that are coming. They're kind of like going around that car, but eventually the car backs up and it kind of like does it, you know, turns around to go towards the right way. And you see cars are coming towards you and you realize, oh shit, I better go back in my car. And like, you know, there's going to be an accident or something. 
Yeah, and I still kind of linger for a second and, you know, things will kind of maybe even get backed up a little bit. Somebody might even honk at me and I'll get back in my car and I'll I'll start to drive towards towards the office, but I'm just so tense right now. I'm just still swearing to myself the whole way, just still smoking like a chimney the entire way. And I'm driving kind of aggressive at this point. And you even notice that like when your adrenaline starts like lowering and your, 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 your heart rate starts dropping, you feel colder. You start noticing like your, your, your nose is colder and you feel like the moisture in your mustache from like the sweat from when you were like intensely sweating out of anger and nervousness and just and stress and you kind of feel like your hair is a little like freezing up from when you're standing out there eventually you get to main street and you pull up in front of dakota investigative services and you get up and you walk in and i want michael and derek both to roll me a wits and empathy roll please let me know what you got zero successes for mike okay one success (laughs) right mike you're in the process right now, making the coffee or pouring yourself a cup of coffee, you kind of see that like outside it's starting to get dimmer and you see Wayne's car pull up, but you're just like, Oh, it's Wayne. He already kind of told me and you're going back to your desk. You actually poured him a cup and you're kind of bringing a cup with toward in his favorite coffee cup, which is like this mega death coffee cup. You think it's kind of goofy that he listens to like all this like heavy metal shit. You don't understand it, but like you poured in his coffee thing, coffee thinking it would like make his day or whatever in his coffee cup. But Derek, you're still kind of in that new guy phase. You obviously are. This is your first day. You know, when you're a new employee out of business and you're kind of just like, I'm just going to stand here and watch things. And, you know, you see Mike is more comfortable and he's kind of just moving about. But you're kind of like, oh, hey, it's this guy that's super nice to me that walked in. And you notice when he walks in and you're really also, I mean, on top of that, you're also have kind of today really have felt like, man, I'm really like noticing how people move. And you're kind of like maybe practicing it in your head. Like, is this part of the job? Like that guy who got laid off with me, you know, I picked up on his mood or that gal who was just here. Now you see, but you see Wayne walk in and you realize, oh, this isn't the guy who was like, oh, hey, welcome to the team. Super happy. He comes walking in. You're like, God damn, he looks like worn out. He looks stressed out, like incredibly stressed out. You even see him when he walks up to the door, he like takes his deep inhale of a cigarette and he just flicks it into like a snowbank on there. And he just walks in as he's blowing it out, exhaling it as he walks in and you see him walking in. Go ahead. Seems on you guys. I think I... I turn to Michael, who is at the desk, and like raise both eyebrows. Like, is is this normal? Uh, without actually saying it, uh, Michael's probably just reading something. He doesn't even notice as the Derek looks up. Yo, Wayne, what's up? He's like silent for a second. He takes his jacket off and he hangs it up angrily, and he just like paces to one side of the room and he paces to another side of the room. Some motherfucker just tried to follow me. You guys, fuck. Did you get his license plate? Oh, yeah. I got his license plate number. I got a good look at that son of a bitch's face. I pulled him into the, the neighborhood where Amanda used to live, and I pulled a fast one on him, and I blocked him off. I got out with the, the tire iron from my trunk. I don't, know, I don't know what I was thinking, Michael. Holy sh... Uh, you know, well, this case this case is going to be one son of a bitch. I can tell you that. <sighs> I got the coffee already, so let's talk. Derek? Come on, join us. Right. I think so, we have a couch or something that. Yeah, you have a couch that this. the lady. Yeah, that the lady was talking into that has like that, when you talk to the lady, there's a couch and there's like a coffee table and like two kind of love seats that are in the back area away from the desk. That's kind of like the VIP area. When, before this talk, though, Derek, I want to know what's going on in your head because you're still new to this. You know, what I mean, you recently 
pieced together that like something happened with Welkstetter and Amanda that led Miranda or that led uh, Meredith Welkstetter to like kind of take you like in a way under a wing or take care of you or almost like she was compensating for something in the past. You kind of put that together. Now you're seeing like this Wayne guy walk in. He's like, someone just followed me. And like, you're like, what? Like, this is stuff that's like, you know, this is Bismarck where there's like less than 70,000 people who live in the city. And you're like, this is shit that happens like on Hill street blues or, you know, some show that you watch and you're just like, what the fuck? And you're seeing this as like, Mike's like, yeah, just kind of accepts it walks in the back with the coffee cup. Like what, what, what's going on in your head right now? Yeah. Derek is definitely, I think confused is the best word for a second. He's wondering like, is this normal? Does this happen every Tuesday, you know, <laughs> especially with Michael's reaction? But Michael is a police officer. He probably actually has gone through some shit when he was there. But Wayne seems like really distressed. So, yeah, but things escalated really quickly. Like Derek came in there, did his paperwork and, oh, they have a new case with a kid that has gone missing. And now we have like stalkers on our ass and you better watch your back in the streets or whatnot does like, he doesn't know him? what is yeah definitely like bismarck is such a small town really he he feels like he knows kind of everyone especially with the uh like furniture business thing he actually has some status here with people who have hired him in the past so he he's gotten around and now there's like this uh, this new uh side of town that he was never engaging with really yeah yeah all right, go ahead. Scenes on you guys. You guys all head towards the back to the couch back there. I scoot up a chair and I'm starting to like empty my pockets and I take out the little notepad that I very poorly wrote down this license plate number on and you see a bunch of change falls out along with it. My crumpled up pack of cigarettes. I'm going to grab one of those and uh, I'm going to start grabbing like some papers and stuff i'm gonna try to sketch the guy's face like wayne is just really fired up right now and he's not an artist but wayne you have to focus i understand that you've underwent a very stressful situation where we have to do things one after the other okay yeah i hear you mike i hear you all right so first of all get your cigarette light it he lights it up and he takes a he takes a big deep puff of it and then he uh, kind of just like leans forward from the chair that he's sitting in and he flicks off the little bit of ash into the ashtray that's on the table. All right, let me start from the beginning, you guys. Me and Alex, we go down to this school. We just want to talk to the guidance counselor a little bit, figure out what he knew about the kid. Kid really liked this guy, I guess, really trusted him. This guy's a nervous wreck. He spills the beans about this whole situation where... Toby finds some kind of inappropriate pictures of kids in the, in the library, in a, in a book. I, I don't even remember. Toby tells this McNulty guy about these inappropriate pictures that he finds, and he, he tries to get the, the guidance counselor to go take a look at it. Uh, when, the, when the guidance counselor checks it out, he can't find the pictures, but he really believes the kids, so he brings it up with the head of the school, and they told him to be quiet. Now that coupled with the fact that Toby's gone just doesn't sit well with me, boys. I tell you what. And that coupled with the fact that our friend Welkstetter, one of the benefactors for this school, I don't even wanna I don't even want to think about that connection. And that coupled with the fact that I was just followed, starting to really feel kind of sick about this whole thing. 
And you hear that Welkstetter name again, Derek, you know what I mean? And it's just like a weird conundrum that's putting you in because you still haven't quite figured out exactly what their issue with the Welkstetter family is in a way. Well, this is a, looks like, it looks like it's us against the world again. And this time it's even worse, especially with the people following you. Might where's, follow Alex, us. where's Alex anyway? Like He told me he was going to walk home. Oh, shit. Yeah, uh, we shouldn't go to places alone right now. Or, like, should minimize, like, especially, like, after dark. Man, I wish I had him there with me when I tried to corner this guy. Uh, I don't really know why I did that, Michael. I kind of got a little carried away from the situation, but... Uh, it's all right. It's all right, Wayne. You did what you thought was best. Uh, about those pictures, were they, like, from the school? Did, did Toby mention that to his guidance counselor? Or, like, was it kids from school or something? like that because if we can identify the victims that that'd be helpful tell us something you know the guidance counselor he didn't mention anything like that and i don't know if these pictures were new old kids from the school kids from somewhere else mm. i i have no details but maybe we should talk to that guy again i mean i might have not gotten all the information i needed to maybe but do you have his private address maybe do i uh, I believe that I believe that Otis gave you his phone number, his private phone number, and the school that he worked at. So you have his private phone number, yes. And also, I wanted to add too that you guys also had the boy uh, Jason Matthews, who was friends with Toby, also that you know you guys could talk to. Yeah, we should definitely check the kid out, uh, but I don't think it's going to be that easy. But he might have some interesting information. Maybe Toby, Toby talked to him about it as well. What's your opinion on all this, Derek? I was, I was about to say, I want, I want both Michael and Wayne to roll a wits and empathy roll, please. I was waiting for the, mo- the moment to do that. No, he's like one dot, but I have zero successes. Right. No successes. <laughs> you guys are both just like, okay, you guys are both like basically... We're jaded, okay? Yeah, jaded, but you're both so in the moment, you don't notice it. This, you know, you're just kind of like in the heat of the moment, you don't know. So go ahead, you can answer the question, Derek. So when did you start being followed or when did you notice? I like him. I start to answer him and then I just stop and I like look close to Derek and I'm like, Derek, do you believe in evil? Uh, what now? Satan, the devil. Um, I mean, I grew up Catholic, I guess. No, I'm talking about cult abuse, Derek. It's real. I mean, really? I've, I've heard about it in the news. I thought they were just embellishing some stupid hillbilly shit no it's real but i tell you what second this case started to started to stink i noticed that i was being followed maybe we should mention this to jerry or maybe not i don't know not really sure who we can trust at this point in time derek do you have we gotten you a gun yet uh (laughs) no (laughs) wait we gotta get derek a gun it's true derek it's probably going to be a good idea i'm not trying to freak you out or something but in our line of work it's better to be prepared let me get a wits and composure roll from you finally derek because you're kind of getting bombarded with a lot of shit right now (laughs) i want to see how you handle it oh i guess i'm doing all right for myself i have three successes awesome so you're, you're sitting there and you're just kind of getting hit with all this especially the question like do you believe in evil? You know, when you're asked that by Wayne, but you kind of realize that like you growing up, you knew that Amanda was murdered. 
you knew that she moved to Stanford with her newlywed husband and that you never heard anyone publicly speak about like details of the murder. You know what I mean? Like it was always this, like a taboo subject that was never brought together, but it's been over 10 years. And in that 10 years, your mother has spoken to a lot of people on the phone or you have gone to group gatherings for holidays or you have been at Amanda's old house sometimes and there may have been drinks had between adults or there may have been whispered conversations in the kitchen area or there may have been late night phone calls where your mom was reassuring Amanda's mother that everything was going to be okay that you heard through the thin walls of the apartment that you lived in at the time when you were a kid. And you always kind of caught once in a blue moon whispers of about her being murdered in a church. And that always kind of made you feel weird as a young kid, because like you would never really associate the two death of someone you love and church. Now you had the death of Christ, but Christ died for our sins, but Christ was always this figurehead though. I mean, I don't know how much, Derek believed in Catholicism, or if he was just kind of like running through the motions. But even though they spoke of death, you never factored in a being of a death of someone that you clearly loved. It was this it was this sanctuary. It was where you went to see these long, drawn-out Catholic marriages or baptisms or, or or first baptisms of babies, or always a joyful experience. And to hear that Amanda was found murdered in a church always kind of left this eerie feeling. So with all this accumulation of feelings and and inputs that are coming at you right now in this conversation. And in this day, you kind of have this moment where it dissolve forms and you find this resolve that kind of washes over you like a calmness. And you're realizing like, hey, I'm handling this, especially with the gun. When it's like, oh, hey, we need to give you a gun. At first, like a gun, but then there's this weird calmness that comes over you and you're like, I got this. Like, like it kind of clicks in your head. Now, I'm not saying you have to be like, oh, no, no, run forward and be all joyful. But, you know, emotionally, this isn't stirring you and stressing you out like you thought it would, if that makes yeah, sense. With, without maybe realizing Derek like grew up as he was helping his family and supporting his father mostly. And he's become more collected in a way, dealing with the punches of life. And now this is just a new step. But yeah, things kind of make sense to him now that there's something weird going on, maybe with Amanda in, in the church thing and then this well weird school. I think the school was like wasn't it like a Catholic thing as well or no it was this it was a it was a Christian school. Yeah. It was a seventh day advent advent school. So you guys are sitting there. It's about five o'clock right now, probably closer to five thirty. What are you guys gonna do now? Now I know you want to give him a gun, but gun stores are probably closing up. You know that there's either you can go talk to Jason or you can have some drinks at the main or you can go home or, or whatever. Well, what would you guys like to do at this moment? I assume Michael has a spare gun. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like a loner. Yeah. So it's just like, just in case before, you know, uh, before you get your own, you get some experience at the range. I mean, I've rifle experience, you know? Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. That's great. All right. So next plan of action. Uh, one thing is that John... how do we how do we move about now when people are being followed? Okay, I would recommend at least always in pairs at night or like when it's dark because uh, well, you never know. 
And let's be honest, when it comes to these, uh, this shit, then it's almost like a feeling of a conspiracy, you know, like the school covering it up. Now, I think we need to look into this license plate at some point as well. Another yeah, thing, I'll, this this guy saw me, he, you know, he made me. I don't know if, if he's seen any of us yet as well, but we got to be careful about that. I don't know if they're surveilling us. I don't know if they've been watching us for a while. Yeah. Stay do vigilant. You, do you think I'm associated already with you? No way to be sure. Got to play it safe. Exactly. They might be, someone might be watching the our entrance or something. Oh, geez. But, you know, this is just the worst case scenario. Could have been just some other lone wolf actor, but I doubt it. All right. License plate. I'm not sure how running license plates really worked in the 80s. We'll just we look that. it up on the on our database thing. Exactly. We have like those super old computer. But I feel oh, like right. not all of us could use it. Right. Like it was like Derek was really good at kind of like figuring it out. And it kind of showed you don't know how to use it, Wayne. Michael, I have a, no idea. Very, Michael has a very like nuanced like way of doing it. But <laughs> Derek had experience doing it because he had one dot, I think, in computers. And because he knew how to use the computer at his work, you know, to like put in orders and stuff like that. So yeah, I think this is pre Windows even. So he, Derek can go ahead and, and and pretty much probably look that up a lot quicker than Michael. Michael would probably take him an hour trying to figure out the commands and like looking up this old printed out like folded piece of paper that has all these different commands and getting frustrated that he can't upload the newest version or he has the wrong disk floppy disk with the latest updates in there. So getting PTSD of trying to fix computers for my relatives. Yeah, oh, Jesus, yeah. So I'll have Derek go ahead and uh, Derek, if you'd like to, you can go ahead and put it in there if you if you'd want. Yeah, boot up DOS 4 or something. and <laughs> <laughs> You're still amazed by this, Wayne, when you look at it? Cause I'm like, like <laughs> go ahead. Say. I'm like leaning over his shoulder as he does this, and I'm like, Derek, you goddamn genius. <laughs> I love, oh, I love you guys. So I much. go through the shelf for like floppy disk number 14, which has like <laughs> the numbers uh, M2O or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the letters M2O. So Look at this put, son of a bitch. This is like a goddamn science fiction movie. <laughs> oh my god. So uh you go ahead and you put the disc in there and in about 15 minutes you are able to like type in the license plate number and it pops up. And it's funny because you put all this work in and you see the information come up and then you just kind of look at the people who use the information. You like look up and Mike's like sitting there leaning over with Wayne and you just kind of like, okay, here's the information. And you look and you see that the car is actually uh, shows as registered to Hertz rental company out of the airport, out of the Bismarck municipal, municipal airport, which is probably means that it's the type of car that's checked out when people that are rented by people who fly in to Bismarck from out of the city there. Do you like what we do and want even more White Wolf media in your life? Then make sure to check out the Facebook group called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. It's a great place to stay up to date on videos, podcasts, and actual plays that different content creators release, it's easy to diverse, and is rapidly growing with new media being shared every day.